0: How do you help someone tell their spouse that they have secretly been viewing pornography? Wow, these are tough situations. Thankfully, one of my favorite and most effective therapists, Jeff Struer, put together a presentation about disclosing betrayal. Jeff explains how disclosing betrayal can make recovery and repentance so much more difficult if it isn't handled correctly. This isn't a rip the bandaid off quickly type of situation. With a better understanding of betrayal, church leaders can be a strong resource in helping couples navigate the awful effects of pornography usage. You can watch Jeff's entire presentation at no cost in the Liberating Saints virtual library. Simply go to leadingsaints.org slash 14 and you can sign up for 14 days of free access to Jeff's presentation and the entire library. It's one of my favorite interviews. So my name is Kurt Francom and I am the founder and executive director of Leading Saints and obviously the host of the Leading Saints podcast. Now I started Leading Saints back in 2010. It was just a hobby blog and it grew from there. By the time uh, 2014 came around, we started the podcast and that's really when it got some uh, traction and took off. Uh, 2016, we became a 501c3 nonprofit organization and we've been growing ever since and now i get the opportunity of interviewing and talking with remarkable people all over the world now this is a segment we do on the leading saints podcast called how i lead and we reach out to everyday leaders they're not experts gurus authors phds they're just everyday leaders who've been asked to serve in a specific leadership calling and we simply ask them how is it that you lead? And they go through some remarkable principles that should be in a book, that should be behind a PhD. They're usually that good. And uh, we just talk about uh, sharing what the other guy is doing. And I remember being a leader, just simply wanting to know okay, I know what I'm trying to do, but what's the other guy doing? What's working for him? And so that's why every Wednesday or so, we publish these How I Lead segments to share. <music> So in this How I Lead episode, we're headed down to Texas to talk with Aaron Banowski, who is a four-time Elderscorm president. <laughs> I say that as if it's like a four-time Oscar winner or a four-time Super Bowl winner. Uh when in reality, you know, these are these are callings and uh, not achievements, but nonetheless, some great experience that Aaron has to share. And uh, just through the listen for the a few concepts here. The the idea of approaching an Elder shifting an Elder culture. Through simple, thoughtful questions. Now, Aaron has a few that you can maybe sample and use and, and try out in your own Elder's Quorum or Relief Society or Deacon's Quorum or whatever it be. But uh, just sitting down and really thinking about some thoughtful questions is going to stimulate some further ministry, some further connection. And uh, Aaron did that, has, has been doing that great. And then uh, just his approach to Elder's Quorum really relying on elders quorum as a council rather than just, you know, hurrying on to the the conference talk and then uh, how his bishop enabled him uh, to, to, to lead in this world where the bishopric is focused on the youth primarily. Right. And so that, that means that an elders quorum president a relief study president needs to uh, needs to feel enabled to handle what we call the adult issues. Right. And, uh, and I got to throw this in here, the equally yoked, the elders quorum and the leaf society equally yoked. That was a powerful principle as well. So this is a great example why we do these, how I lead interviews to learn what the other guy or gal is doing, uh, in different, different part of the world. So here's my interview with Aaron Banowski. Ivanowski, welcome to the Leading Saints podcast. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Awesome. So just uh, some quick uh, a fire round of questions here. Uh, where, so where do you live? So I live in Frisco, Texas, which is just north of Dallas. It's a suburb
1: north of Dallas. Love it. So Dallas is your temple district? It is. D- Dallas is our temple district. And we are actually in the Prosper Texas stake. And uh, the Prosper Texas temple was announced uh, last oh, yeah. October. So we're excited for the announcement of where that's going to be located. We're still waiting.
0: That's great. And then uh, what do you do for work? So I am a healthcare consultant. So I work with large health systems and help them with their strategies. Nice. And uh, how long have you been listening to Leading
1: Saints? Oh, for several years now. I've enjoyed your content for quite a while, uh, all through when I was a bishop and, and, and elsewhere. You guys do a great job. And currently an Elders president. How long, is that, uh, how long has that calling been going? That's been just uh, just a little over a month now. You know, it's pretty oh, new. Really? Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's it's actually been interesting because... I'm in the same ward I was worshiping four years ago. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm getting to serve in another capacity after being in the stake
0: for a little while. And, uh, it's been fun. It's, it's been really interesting. Yeah, that's awesome. So, uh, you wrote an article called, uh, ministering is love, uh, for the, uh, for leading saints. Many people may not realize that we, uh, every week we publish written articles, not just podcasts. Uh, many of them are uh, written by, you know, people that like you that are just out there. You're not necessarily officially connected to leading saints, but you're a leader want to contribute. And you wrote a great article about ministering. And so uh, we'll link to that. People should check it out. But I thought, man, that would make for a great how I lead interview and exploring your experience in leadership, particularly in as an elders quorum president. So um, where's a good jumping off point around this this topic? Because ministering is just like on every, on every elders quorum president and Relief really Society president's mind. It it is, and and it should be, you know, it should be fairly
1: natural. You know, maybe a good jumping off point is this, is that, you know, so this isn't my first rodeo. So this is the fourth time I've been called as a elders quorum president. The first time was in college, right? So you're, you know, you're at, I'm at BYU and, you know, most of your activities are helping people move in and out of apartments. I remember that was (laughs) a lot of what we did, you know, Uh, of course, home teaching was, was a lot of what we did. My second time was in a ward uh, in, south of Houston. So this ward is really interesting in that it was as kind of a ward that had been combined. There was a Spanish branch that had been combined it was an area I was a, at the time a chemical engineer, so we had some professionals, but then we had a lot of laborers that were in this kind of area of the city that, you know, it was kind of a, uh, you kind of had a more Hispanic bent. And so it was kind of a really neat time uh, to learn. It was one of those wards where you had, you know, every home teacher had like 13 people on their list because we had so many folks that we didn't even know who they were. And so very unique time. The next time was in a very large ward here in Frisco. You know, the ward had probably 600 people. We'd had people moving in every week. It was just kind of this time of high growth here. Uh, And so, you know, as I was called this time after having served as bishop uh, in the same ward, I began to think, okay, so what's different? You know, know, things have changed, especially in the last, you know, uh, four or five years since President Nelson was called. And I really wanted to put some thought into what would be different about, you know, ministry now, not home teaching, and how would I go about doing that? Uh, And it's interesting when you go to the church handbook, right in the very first part on ministering, it talks about these two laws of of love, right? Love God and love neighbor. And it talks about ministering being a way to live those laws. And it it really struck me that I'm a believer that sometimes the most simple answers are the best ones. And, and as I kind of pondered and prayed about it, you know, how would, you know, how should we approach this in our word? And, and by the way, the previous presidency did a great job with everything. Uh, but as you know, as new leaders are called, you tend to maybe t- take a different, you know, have a different take on things. I just had this really strong impression that that should be the focus. Just one word, love, you know, love God and love neighbor. And, and how, you know, how should that show up, you know, functionally? How does that work? You know, how do we get, you know, ministers to do this? Um, and, and as I thought about how, how, you know, are the brothers in our ward would visit their families. I thought, how can we make this really simple for them? You know, in what way could we show up, right? With this authentic way of, of loving both God and, and, and our neighbor. And I thought, well, um, we ought to keep things pretty simple, right? I, I think if we, if we go and we ask questions to the families, we should ask them a very simple question. Like, how is your family showing love for God and neighbor? And then they could share. And then the minister could ask, do you feel loved in our ward? And in what ways could we show you love? In what ways could we show love to you? Now, that's a little different than maybe the old school way of doing things. You know, I, like the last three times I did it, where you say, hey, what do you need? You know, the uh, response. Is there
0: anything we can do for you, Aaron, Is there right? anything <laughs> we can do for you? What can you need?
1: And the answer is pretty simple. No, I don't know. Yeah, we're good. Don't need anything. Yeah. But as I tried that out, actually, when I was in, you know, talking with my counselors, when they were first called, I actually did that with them, asking them about their families. All of a sudden, these you know men who typically don't share feelings, as you know, started talking to me about things that they were going on in their family, things about their children, things that were happening in their jobs, and I just had this realization that if we asked those questions, all of a sudden people started talking about things in a different way, right? Um, and then, um, if you if you recall, there there was a great talk by Elder Gong in the last conference, um, two conferences ago, about ministering to the minister. Yes. Right. And I thought, well, you know, we've got to do these ministering interviews and we get to do those once a quarter. What if we ask those same questions to those ministers? You know, in that interview as part of us ministering to them as a presidency. Ask them about their families because this is our opportunity to find out about their families. And then we should just ask them two simple questions. One question is, what in what ways did your families need love over the last quarter? Number two, how did you find ways to show those families love? And when I did that, and they started talking about their ministering, their current ministering assignments, all of a sudden these new kind of avenues started opening up. They started talking about their families in different ways. It became it became less of a check the box kind of an exercise, and more of a really kind of a connect, kind of a connection type of yeah. exercise i was actually very surprised by it
0: yeah tell me what uh like what do any typical answers come to mind because um, this is a thing like uh this concept of love obviously extremely important uh should yeah. be at the core of all leadership activities and efforts and whatnot uh but it's sometimes a bit uh abstract right like uh yeah. that, that a lot of times the advice leaders get give to one another is, oh, you just got to love those that you lead. But like, I mean, what does that look like? You know, so what, what are the typical answers you hear or like, how are people wanting to be loved or want to show love? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So I'll give you one example. So when I
1: asked one of my counselors, Hey, you know, how did you show your family's love? He said, you know, I've got this, this brother in the ward and he's a great guy, by the way, very active. who said, I just don't want people coming by my house. (laughs) <laughs> and he said, "I've struggled. I struggled. Like I don't know how to help him." He just says, "I don't come by. We're good. We're, we don't need anything." And I said, "Well, I know this brother really well. He's actually a really avid reader. For example, he loves to read. Why don't you try to start? You know, sh- you know, just sh- you know, sharing quotes that you like. Because I know you're a reader. That may be a connection point for you." And uh, and he said, "I'll try that." And guess what? That started working. He said, "Saying he just started getting engagement because so it, it really was about you know overcoming the barriers of kind of how do I actually connect." these brothers. Now, when we did this in the quorum, we actually rolled this out. We said, Hey, here's how we're going to do things. It was kind of an amazing thing. So I asked the question, how did you, how do you show love for God today? Right. And so one brother in the quorum said, he raised his hand and said, can I tell you something that was a disaster this morning? We were trying to get to church. I've got all these little kids. Everybody was late. We're in the car. Like everyone's kind of yelling at each other. We couldn't get there. So the way I showed heavenly father love is I've Got my family to the church without losing my mind this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I've been that dad before. We've yeah. all been that dad, right? Yeah. And what was kind of cool about it is we all kind of had a chuckle and we said, actually, that's a great way because today that's what you could do. That's what exactly what you could do today, right? Well, there was another brother after we had finished our discussion. He came up to me afterwards and he said, hey, can I talk to you, uh, President Badowski? My family and I just haven't felt connected in the ward. Uh, and for whatever reason, we don't feel like we have connections here or friends here. And I just had a moment to chat with him. I said, well, why do you think that is? And he kind of shared some things with me. He mentioned that his daughter's in the YSA uh, branch and she feels the same way. And so I said, well, then w- what can I do for you? He's like, "We you know, what would be really helpful is if you could reach out to my daughter. I know she's not in our ward, although her address is here. Would you reach out and just tell her that you're thinking about her? So I did that. I grabbed it and, and I know her from our ward from the time when I was bishop and I, I texted her. And, and he, that's what he needed that day. Now, since that time, what was very interesting is that brother um, um, uh, had some employment needs, right? And um, he said, hey, you know, uh, of course, the economy is not great right now. And and he ended up getting let go from his job. And I immediately reached out to the quorum. I reached out to his ministering brothers and said, hey, this good brother um, has these needs. Would you show him love by uh, forming a little team around him to help him do his job search? And what was interesting about it, instead of kind of either no response. I almost got an immediate response on my text. They said, we'd love to do that. We'd love to show this brother help. There was a a second brother in the war that also lost a job. I I kind of sent out a text, hey, could you two brothers help this brother out with his job search? And after having that discussion about love, they immediately engaged. So the way love was showing up is engaging with people with their needs.
0: Yeah. Well, let let me ask real quick that there's a lot of this. It sounds like a lot of this even takes place during the core meeting as well, right? That you're sort of stimulating this discussion. Is that... That's accurate? exactly right. That's uh-huh. exactly right. Um, you know, even
1: in, in our at last couple of lessons that we've had, um, we've that the, the, the five in the quorum has been, uh, really tremendous. Now, I'll, I'll tell you one other kind of thing. When we decided to do this and roll this out to the quorum, um, we did this on a Sunday. That evening, that next uh, evening or that evening, we got an email from the stake. The stake said, Hey, um, there's a special meeting you're being invited to. Now, I'll, I'll warn you in, in our area. I've lived in the same house and i've been in three wards and three stakes in my same house it's just an area of high growth well there's a special meeting being called where there's some boundary changes that were going to be had so we go to the meeting and what it was was a ward was being dissolved and part of that ward was being moved back into our ward they had been part of us before and they were moving being moved back into our ward we had no clue when we had set up kind of our program to say hey how can we love you all of a sudden we had 32 new brethren who we had not seen in a decade. They they (laughs) were moved out a decade ago. Now they're moving back in. Um, and so, uh, immediately we said, well, how can we love these brothers? What in what way can we show them love? Well, the first one is to get to know them. So the next core meeting, we just sat down and had everybody introduce themselves. And we talked about this, like, he wouldn't want to know how to love you, you know, what, what are some things you know, that we can know about you and your family. And since that time, the, the next core meetings, people have felt this kind of closeness because we had set the expectation that, hey, we've got these new brothers coming in. And of course, the Lord was very inspired to have us do that um, because we, had, we didn't even know that was coming. Right, but we were prepared for it, which was for,
0: for me a testament of kind of how the spirit works. So yeah, I love that. So a few things come to mind, and I'll sort of bounce around here for a minute. But uh, yeah, th- just the, this question, these questions you ask, focused on love mm-hmm. and how people are receiving love and showing love, you know, for God and whatnot. Uh, again, great question, people. You yeah. know, what a great if if you can't come up with a question to sort of as your launching pad, there. Uh, great question to to take and, and use. But to me, I think the the core of the principles, like having, like really sitting with and developing a really thoughtful question that stimulates the brain in a different way so that, you know, that right. I think we've worn out the, is there anything we can do for you question to the point that I can't help but say, oh no, <laughs> now I'm good. You know, it's like, <laughs> even if I had so, I'd have to say no to that, don't I? Uh, so just having that thoughtful question, is that, uh, is that maybe a good good thought there's starting point for an elder elder scoring president trying to duplicate this same type of culture no it it is and and i think that
1: you know i i I mentioned to you that one brother who didn't want to have his home teachers come over and he's and he's funny i i pulled him aside say hey so what's going on so what why didn't you want to come over he said he said well at first i didn't really feel like they were real authentic i felt like they were checking the box well when that shifted right when we said okay let's like you said, let's think about very thoughtful questions and actually show real genuine and authentic concern and care for people. His heart changed. Uh both the minister's heart changed and the minister's heart changed because he could feel that it was genuine. It's like, okay, this person really wants to get to know me and my family. I'll accept that, right? It's harder to accept it. Was like, okay, I'm gonna and in, in, in check this box. I'm supposed to talk to you. I'm supposed to bring you, you know, cookies or whatever. But it was really like, I really want to get to know you. Like, okay, then let's chat now. I'm ready for yeah. that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's really that's really great. And then it sounds like it's just sort of this, like this push and pull type of relationship or, or engagement with individuals that you're not, you're not, you're not happy with the superficial response, right? You're going to maybe take a few more steps and think, Hey, wait a minute. I've asked some questions here and it appears that you're a reader, right? So you're going to sit with that and think, all right, how can I approach or serve or, or love this individual on that level? Um, and see what, see what doors open up and what thoughts and revelations come, right? So you, you yeah. just, you're not satisfied with just, Oh, they said they n- needed no help or, Oh, they said they didn't want visitors. So I guess that's what we're going to do. Right.
1: No, it is. And, and, um, so, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's an old saying that says what 99% of success is showing up, right? Just being there for yeah, people. Yeah. Right. So one of the things that we've tried to do is just show up for people. Um, so for example, um, uh, shortly after I was called a sister in the ward, her husband, who's 92, he's a, um, he's a Korean war veteran, really neat guy has great stories, all kinds of stories from his life. Um, went into the hospital his health is kind of up and down, went to the hospital and, um, we immediately said, Hey, we grabbed a couple of guys. So let's head right over there. It was only like a mile from our house. We just went over there and spent the time with him. Now you have to understand that spending time with him is never a 10 minute visit because he'll just tell you stories. Even when he's not feeling well, he, he likes to tell you stories. So we just went and spent time with him and just kind of sat by him. That was what he needed that day. He was kind of hooked up to all kinds of things. Just needed to visit him. Well, he was in the hospital for like five days. Well, we said, Hey, uh, has he had the sacrament? No, he hasn't. Well. We got permission from the bishop to bring that by, to bring the sacrament by. And I ended up bringing the missionaries with me uh, because I had a missionary correlation meeting that day and said, hey, why don't you come by with me with uh, his ministering brother and we'll see what he needs. We'll give him the sacrament and see if he needs a blessing. Well, when we, when we showed up there with the missionaries, again, this was just, you know, again, this is all happening in real time. Hey, let's just come spend time with you. It was interesting. He was actually at that point feeling a little better. And when he realized that the missionaries were there, he went into some of his stories, but then started bearing his testimony. He started saying, hey, this is, I want to share with you missionaries. You make sure when you're serving, you do this. He, he bore his testimony about serving others and sharing the gospel in times that he had shared the gospel. And he, and he actually got a little kind of teary-eyed as he was t- saying this, right? And when I left, we gave him a, each gave him a big hug and he said, thank you so much for coming. I said, great. Well, he was get, you're getting out tomorrow. I'll come by your house. We'll make sure we come by next week. And we went to the quorum and, and said "Told the quorum, hey, we want to bring him the sacrament every week, but we don't want just one member of the quorum to do this. We actually want to assign that to different members of the quorum so he get to meet different people. And the response was interesting. It was almost immediate. Sure, I'll do that. There was actually nobody said, no, I'm kind of busy after this kind of this this engagement this kind of conversation about love now when we have a need i just see people leaning in and just being willing to take up their time very voluntarily to go and accept assignments <laughs> to really just be there for people and sit with people
0: yeah yeah that's that's really powerful because there is like this cultural shift right um that it's not necessarily you, you have a formula that works perfectly every time but you're uh, you have some uh, some habits that that you're employing over and over again. And little by little, those, those walls come down. Right. And then it becomes not, not even about the question you ask anymore. Um, but though you may still employ that, but it's more about, okay, everybody's sort of warmed up to this experience. That's right. That's right. And, and,
1: and I'll tell you, I'm sure there'll be ups and downs. Uh, maybe we're, we're, we're here at the beginning of our road. And of course there'll be other things that will happen, but, but I'll tell you that the feeling is very genuine, which, which really makes me happy. Um, because with genuine concern and genuine care, lots of really positive things can happen you can't anticipate. Of course, the needs that are going to show up, whether it be temporal needs or spiritual needs or whatever it may be. But when people trust Right, that you're going to be there for them, they're more apt to share. They're more apt to um, want to kind of talk about those things that would help them out. Um, I, I actually, the, the other thing that I think we, we've done is we it made sure that we were engaging the sisters in this. Now the sisters, I, I think, do this in spades. It's very natural for them. And when when we were engaging with the with the Relief Society presidency, uh, who they do a great job in, in their ministering efforts, we said we want our ward to be representative of an equally yoked elders quorum and really society. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes, um, and, and it may be perception, it may be reality, but you hear this a lot. Well, the sisters know that we're not sure the brothers really know what's going on. The sisters tend to know the needs because they talk with the other sisters, and we kind of set the standard that, that this elders quorum we're going to know as many needs as the sisters do, and that we've agreed my, myself and the really excited president we're going to meet regularly um, outside of our ward council and outside of our normal times, so that we can really sit and discuss the needs of the ward, and that equal yoking of both the sisters the sister leaders and the elders who are leaders together to take care of these families, I think is where the power really comes. comes to bear. Hmm.
0: Yeah. that's a powerful concept. I mean, and just speaking it, I think most of us in, in theory, we're like, well, of course the elders quorum president or the elders quorum, the relief side should be equally yoked. But uh, there are moments where that's not true. Right. And, and, <laughs> and, and, right. And, and everybody can kind of think back to those, those experiences, but to sort of speak it, you know, in that, in that company, and then continue to return to it, like, wait a minute, like this activity, this plan, this direction we're moving, it doesn't feel like we're equally yoked. And so then you can sort of step back and address that.
1: That's right. That's right. And, and it's interesting. My wife is currently serving as our stake Relief society president. And she tells me that as she engages with the different wards in our stake, the wards that seem to have the best feeling in them are ones where there is that equal yoking between the elders quorum and the Relief society that both you know, sets of leaders are really engaging, uh, and, and I know my, the bishop who's serving now, my bishop, uh, was actually one of my counselors before. Uh, We're good friends, and, and he mentioned to me, you know, as he, as I was called, he said, "Look, with this new change, now I'm the essentially the young men's president, right? Which wasn't the case when I was bishop." Right? Um, he's, I really need to be spending time with the youth, and, and I would really appreciate you just leaning in and really taking a lot of the adult issues so that we, so that I can really focus on the youth. And as we engage in text back and forth, he's that appreciation that he loves that me and the least high president are really kind of taking the lead. We actually will tell him, we don't have to ask permission. We say, Hey, Bishop, here's this need. Here's how we've done it. Is there anything else we should be doing instead of, Hey, Bishop, what should we do waiting for him to direct us? It's, Hey, Bishop, we've decided this needs to happen. Do you have any guidance for us or do you approve that? And he says, yes, go right ahead or he'll give us some guidance. So taking that active lead is really taking some burden off of him,
0: which he really appreciates. Yeah. So I want to really underscore this, this concept and what, what this example really well, because this is a very common question that we receive here at leading saints is just what are other wards doing? It's usually focused on the youth, right? Like this, this uh, the, the bishopric's focused on the youth and, but you know, a lot of wards aren't getting it or um, you know, people still reach out to the bishop and he's just overwhelmed, busy. Right. And it's just, to me, it can be as simple as just having that conversation where the bishop Acknowledges saying, you know, Aaron, you are the Elders Corn president. I am enabling you to deal with the adult issues, right? And and just having that simple conversation empowers the Elder's Corn Relief Society to lean in and to the point, even articulating that, listen, I don't need you to come to me and say, is this okay? Just go, right? That's right. That's exactly right. Now I I'll admit, because
1: I was the previous bishop. Um, you know, I, I think it's been easier for me to do that because, you know, in that capacity, I was Mm -hmm. used to doing that and people in the ward still, at least the people who've been around for a while kind of knew me as that. And so they're comfortable with that, but I don't think that should stop someone who hadn't had that experience or that kind of relationship with their ward members. This should be the case, whether or not you ever served in that capacity. I think the Lord is entrusting elders quorum presidents now and of course the sisters in the early society to kind of really take over and, and, (laughs) and help with those adult you know, issues, you know, anything that doesn't involve worthiness or um, fair game for us to kind of lead in and help with employment or illnesses or anything else of that sort. Yeah.
0: No, that's uh, that's so powerful. And and again, you're just sort of depending on case by case, maybe you have a less experienced elders corn president may need a little bit more of some mentoring and training, you know, as far as, okay, this issue came up. I don't want to land on my desk as the bishop. So let's talk about ways that you can handle it and whatnot. But is, are there any other examples as far as, you know, adult issues? That's probably, I don't know that's the perfect, <laughs> one, but we'll go with it for now. But like, what is that? Any, any examples of what that looks like in practice uh, when things come up and how you maybe how, how they can avoid landing on the bishop's plate?
1: Yeah. So a couple of things come to mind and I'll, I'll use one example I've already used and then we'll, I'll give you a couple of others. You know, one is this example of, you know, employment needs. Right. Um if you think about relief society and elders quorum presidents being at the at the kind of the rock face of what if that happens, so someone loses their job, who's the first person that individual should call? If we have the right relationships with those families they should call me as elders Corps president or the Relief society president or uh, their ministering brother, not necessarily the bishop. Now, of course we can assess the situation and determine what's happening, whether there are needs, you know, welfare type needs that the bishop would need to engage in, but of course he'll engage in those and then of course return the assignment to us. So that one's a very, that one's a very natural one. Another very natural one um, would be, you know, items of, of illness. Like I mentioned before, if someone's ill, Again, the typical thing would be, hey, Bishop, I'm in the hospital instead of, hey, you know, President Vanowski, I'm in the hospital. What, you know, could we get some help here? Or, hey, brother, so-and-so, my ministering brother, I'm in the hospital. Can I get some help? I think with time, we can actually build those relationships and take that burden off the Bishop because that should be the first line, right? That should be the first call. Now you can get into things that maybe are a little, um, you know, a different scope, so you think about someone who says hey i'm i'm starting to have issues with my in my family rather relationship issues or issues with my kids where do you go first on that? Again, typically you would call the bishop, hey, bishop, we're having some marital issues or, hey, bishop, we're having some issues with our kids. And and, uh, and that may still may be a good place to start. But I think very quickly the bishop will say, hey, would you mind if my elders quorum president meets with you and kind of helps you out, you know, depending on, the, of course, the nature and, the, and the, of the issue. Um, and so I think as those issues kind of become, you know, push in those kind of realms, I still think that we should assess those and ask, is the bishop really the person that should be definitely quarterbacking perhaps, but really leading could be the elders quorum and the relief side, really leading and trying to kind of manage, you know, kind of uh, those kinds of the issues, uh, you know, with families.
0: Yeah, that's really helpful. I'm, I'm glad uh, we, we stumbled upon that. I don't know if you are planning on talking about that dynamic, but it's, uh, it's definitely helpful. Yeah. Um, Anything else going back to, oh, I want to ask you about the, just like your general approach to uh, elders quorum, like meeting every other week in in terms of this ministering, you know, ministering is love. Uh, any, like how you start the meeting, how you, you know, it sounds like there were times where you you totally sort of put the conference talk aside because, hey, we just, you know, combined with a different ward, we've got to know each other type thing. Okay. I assume that that dramatic a shift doesn't happen every week but anything you do just within the context of the elders quorum meeting that you haven't mentioned yet
1: yeah so um a couple of the thoughts that, that we're doing um Um, Number one, on any given week, for example, if when we had the issue with the brother who needed the sacrament, um, as you know, in the the manual, it actually says that sisters can do this as well. You can hold a council, right? Um, Before you start your class, you can hold a brief kind of council type situation where you say, hey, we've got a need. And so that's where we, for example, brought up that need with the brother in the hospital We said, hey, before we start our lesson, let's talk about a need that we have. We've got this assignment to take the the sacrament in. Uh, We'd like to do that across everyone so it gets to know people because we have this new change." our ward, are you all willing to accept that assignment? Yes. And we talked a little bit about that brother. We introduced him because people haven't met him because he's been ill for so long. So we spent some time letting them know and getting to know them. So I think there's that that counsel aspect. And I understand that our sisters are doing the same thing. They'll take a little bit of time before the the, um, release meeting starts, before the lesson starts and do that. The second thing that we've done is we have, um, so as you know, when you do the the lesson, it's typically from a, a conference talk. But we're sensing with the way the economy is going, and now we have, you know, a couple of brothers that have faced some employment issues that we would like to take one um, lesson each uh, quarter and actually focus on preparedness and say, okay, there's an aspect of preparedness that we should all be paying attention to, whether it be temporal preparedness or spiritual preparedness. But, um, and that's something that maybe has gotten lost in terms of how, you know, we went to two hour church. You know, and there's certain callings we don't have anymore that we used to have. You say, hey, look, we don't want to lose that focus on, you know, having food storage and savings and you know, budgeting and all those really great things that we've always learned you know in the church. There just wasn't a slot for it. So as a president, we said, hey, why don't we actually make that one of the you know, the six lessons you have in a quarter will focus on um, preparedness. What's really cool about it is my newly called secretary, who's only been a member for six months. He's a great guy. He's he, in fact, he has a countdown on his, on his phone. The countdown when he gets to go to the temple. He's super engaged. Um, uh, he, he, we gave him that assignment. Said, "Why don't you lead this discussion on preparedness?" And well, it turns out, lo and behold, this is something he's really—it's it's, a—it's a priority for him. It's something he's—he's he's thought about for many years before he joined the church, which so just happened to be something. Of course, we know there's no um, coincidences in the church, right? He was yeah. called for a reason. Now he's going to lead that. So, so, so making the elders' quorum meeting. Not only spiritually uplifting and edifying, but also very practical to address issues that are kind of real issues that people deal with. I think will will continue to engage people in the right way, saying, "Oh, wow, this elder form presence is engaged in my life." Like they're talking about things that are important to me. You know, in in and, and, and when the need arises, hopefully that would reciprocate with them opening up and letting us know what those needs are.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, you know, just sometimes there's that pressure of um you know, we've asked this good brother to lead a discussion or teach about such and such conference talk. And I'm sure there's a lot of doctrine that we got to unpack. And so there's sort of this feeling of this rush to, to get into the the lesson, you know, and I think to just sort of shift that maybe set certain expectations. So everybody knows, and we're just going to sort of breathe at the beginning of this elders quorum and, and just really sit with like, what are some issues you're seeing or, you know, so-and-so lost his job, like how can, how can we take a minute and just say, you know, he's got some engineer background and, you know, you know, again, just sort of letting it be part of the meeting rather than some quick announcements and uh, yeah, this and that service assignment. All right, let's get to the lesson. And then, and then we kind of, you know, get into that, which is important, but sort of just creating space and being okay with that, that council part of an elders quorum.
1: Well, if you think about it, so if the listeners can listen to maybe they go back and they listen to what you just said, right? That was a very transactional kind of a dialogue that you just went through. Now, the dialogue that we went through before that was a much more relational dialogue. Hey, wh- what's going on in your life? How, how are things going? We've got this need. You know, how are we prepared for this? And then you can kind of get into the lesson. And I would suggest that the, the spirit of that lesson will, will shift based on whatever was happening, because the spiritual guide, the teacher, then the other thing that we've decided to do as a presidency is there's this great talk by uh, Elder Packer many years ago where he mentioned that he was in a state conference and uh, a brother had walked in. He said, Oh, who's that brother? And they said, Oh, we're so happy to see him. He's an inactive brother. He hasn't been in a while. And then he mentions that, and then the meeting started and this brother was sitting back there and the people giving the prayers and doing the talks were all of these you know, very active members of the church. And he said, I wondered why they didn't ask that brother to give a prayer. He said, here was the smorgasbord of spirituality and the brother was sitting on the side and wasn't invited to the table to partake. And so we decided that, we said, look, something as simple as a prayer in elders quorum, which as you know, a lot of times is random. Hey, brother, so-and-so, can you give the opening prayer? We've decided to look at our list of people that maybe don't come that often who, if you ask them ahead of time, would you come and give a prayer that day? That might be the reason they would actually come to church that day. and Or if they only come for sacrament meeting, they might actually stay for elders quorum because you've planned it out ahead. You've invited them to the table, right? To partake of this kind of great environment that we're having. Um, and so... Um, so just you know, these don't have to be very complex things They can be very simple little things you do just to ask yourself, how is it that we can invite the brothers to engage
0: in kind of very meaningful ways? That's powerful. That invitation, right? That's a, that's a model that we've been taught for, for centuries so that we need to employ more <laughs> and more. So, um, all right, are there any other concept point principle, uh, that you want to make sure we cover before we wrap up? Now, um, just, just one last thought here. It, it,
1: if we think about this, going, going back to that article I wrote, you know, ministering is love. Um, I, I really believe that if we talk about, for example, missionary work, so we, we, we you know, we, we talk, in fact, we've got a lesson I'm going to teach next week that's called the three M's, you know, ministering, missionary work, and mighty change of heart. Right? Um, um, they're all interconnected. You know, as as we begin to show love for each other, it's much, much more simple to actually show love for people who are in our communities. We want to engage in, as we, as we know, you know, um, uh, love, share and invite that whole model of love. Share. You notice that, that first thing is love, right? It's the beginning of what we say this missionary mantra is. Well, I would suggest that that is not necessarily only a missionary mantra, but it's also a ministering mantra and it's a discipleship mantra. Um, we do this with our children, right? We love our children. We share things with them. Right? And we invite them to do things. This is should be a very natural thing. I thought that, I've always thought that was a very inspired way to, to think about this. So, so I actually see this as a beginning point, not an end point, for lots of other things that will happen, I think, as the Lord guides our ward forward, as he guides us in ways that we can engage in the missionary efforts, as he guides us in ways that we have this new temple coming, as we have opportunities to invite people to engage in that in our community and in our ward members to engage in that tremendous opportunity when it arrives i really in my view the lord prepares us in stages it's line upon line and precept upon precept so i see this as just the beginning of many other wonderful things that he wants to have happen and and i feel blessed As I saw the previous presidency serve, I don't think this would have worked if I hadn't been able to build upon what the last presidency had already done. And so, and then when I'm released, the next president will have some other inspiration that will take them in a direction that will build upon what we've done. And so I think we're in this kind of great chain of efforts as one leader comes in and the next leader finds some inspiration and we each build upon each other. And I just see, and I'm happy to be just kind of a small part of, of that kind of chain of action the Lord's doing in our ward.
0: Yeah. Now it is a modern day miracle. I mean, when you sit back and, and look at it all, that it's just remarkable how this lay ministry works. Everybody sort of takes their turn in different stations. And, but nonetheless, we're all progressing, you know, together. the organization is, is developing as a whole, even though we're, we're maybe shifting around in those parts. So powerful stuff. That's right. Well, Aaron, this has been, uh, awesome. We will link to the article if people want to dig in, uh, even further there. Uh, and you've also, uh, it was a, you and your wife wrote a book for desert book. Yeah, we did. We did. We wrote a, a book called the discovering your temple insights.
1: Uh, you know, we were, you know, we were trapped in the house during COVID and, and, uh, we had a lot of time on our hands <laughs> and we, we, we were missing the temple and, uh, we just started writing down some of the thoughts and things that we learned. And what we realized is that many of the books on the temple were kind of about the temple. And there wasn't really one that said, how do I learn from it? And so we decided to kind of take this view of, okay, how, how do I actually get more out of our temple worship? And so it's, it's been a blessing for us and, and we've gotten some great feedbacks so we're, we feel blessed to have contributed that.
0: Nice. Love it. Well, um, We'll definitely link to that. And we appreciate uh, hearing more and more from Texas and, you know, it's just such a, a strong stake in Zion down there. And uh, last question I have for you, Aaron, is as you reflect on your time as a leader, how has being a leader helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? Great question. So the, 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 the scripture that comes to my mind
1: from the savior, um, he said, I do nothing but the will of my father, um, as a leader, um, Uh, My my most powerful experiences have have been when I've submitted my will to what my Heavenly Father wants for the people uh, over whom I have stewardship. And when you have that kind of a a humble um, and submissive um, kind of way of being a leader, that actually helps you as a follower because each of us are disciples of Jesus Christ and in our own personal lives, um, we have to submit to His will. And so that has actually been just a powerful concept that has helped me both as a leader and then most certainly as a disciple of Jesus Christ.
0: see if we can line them up. So again, go to leading slash contact. And there you can submit all the information and let us know. And maybe they will be on a future How I Lead segment on the Leading Saints podcast. Remember, learn more about disclosing betrayal from Jeff Struer by visiting leading saints.org slash 14.